Today's shir in Yerushalmi Sanhedrin is dedicated to the memory of Pesach Gershon ben Yisrael Fish Olav Shalom, and for a Rafu Shalema for Yosef Yisrael ben Zelda Besoch Shar Chole Yisrael. We are beginning in the Oz Vohadar edition on Daf Tes Vav Amid Beis, two lines from the bottom of the Amid, with the words Vayomer David. In the Vilner edition, it is on Daf Yud Beis Amid Aleph. Begins the Gemara Vayomer David al Michal. We are learning about an exchange between Michal, David's wife, and David. In the last year, Michal had criticized David when the Oren was brought back from the Pelishtim to Yerushalayim, and David was jumping and leaping and dancing in front of the Oren, and uh, he as part of this, in order that he could dance better, he turned up the hem of his long robe. And Michal criticized him that, number one, he was not as sonua, as reserved as her father, Shoal, and the Gemara gave an example of that. And also, she felt that he had debased himself in front of the maidservants. And to these criticisms, David responded as follows. So the Gemara is going to quote a pasuk from Shmuel Bey's Perik Vav, Pasuk Chaf Aleph, Vayoymer David el Michal Fnei Hashem, Hasher Bachar Bi, Meavicha, Mikol Beisoy, Letzavas I see, Nogid al Am Hashem al Yisrael, Visachakti Lefnei Hashem. So David, this is brought down on the side in the Torah Ara Sholem, Zion. This is the Pasuk that David is telling to Michal, I was appointed as the king, and I rejoiced in front of Hashem. And then he said, the im ha'imois, and with the maidservants, Asher Omart, that you spoke about, that I debased myself? No. Imam Ika Veda. I will be honored through them. So, the Gemara is telling us that David responded to Michal and said, that these women were not low maidservants, but rather they were chashva women. And the Korban Eida, two lines from the bottom, he says, on Ardafir, Tezvav Amid Beis, Ve'imoimois, Ve'loi Komar Lifnei Ho'imois. He didn't say in front of the maidservants. Elo'im Ho'imois, with the maidservants. Shehu lohem keben eitzalimoi. Just like you say, a child with his mother, the one who is mentioned second is the more chashuv. The mother is more chashuv than the son. So too, David Melech was saying that I wasn't in front of them, but rather I was with them. And they were esteemed women, and they were like to me, like a mother to a child. So he was addressing the fact that he did not debase himself in front of the maidservants, and that he had rejoiced in front of the Oren, in front of Hashem, and that if a Melech does that, that is considered an honor of the Torah and not a Bezoyan of the Melech. As we continue on Daf Tezayan Amid Aleph, She'ein ani mois, they are not low maidservants, Ela imois, they are like mothers, as we explained, and the mother is more chashev than the son. So the Gemara asks, for this 
unjustified criticism of David Amelach, how was Michal punished? The Gemara says, Michal Bashal never had a child. That was her punishment. Agavurcha, we can learn from here that although the role of a woman is to criticize her husband and to make sure he goes on the right path, but a woman should be careful. There are times, as we see in the case of Michal, where if it's unjustified criticism, chas v'sholam, a terrible onish could come. And the onish for Michal was that she didn't have a child. The more immediately asked, what do you mean she didn't have a child? The Pesach says, hashishi, the sixth one was Yisram. That was the sixth child of David HaMelech. And who bore that child? La'egla ishtoi. To Egla, his wife. And the Korbanaida, top right line, says, Vahaina Michal. Michal had another name, Egla. Bipashtus, the word Egla, means a lushna of endearment. Like David HaMelech used to call her, my calf. It was a lushna of endearment. But here the Gemara says that she acted like a calf. The cry of a calf. Ella, as the Gemara says, Shegos keegla umesa, that during childbirth she cried out like a calf and she died. She was called Egla because, in fact, she replicated the sound of a calf and that gave her the name Egla. And although she bore a child, Yisram, but she did not live to see this child, she died during childbirth. Continues the Gemara, There's no one in Klal Yisrael who embarrassed himself for mitzvahs more than David HaMelech. Why did he laugh? Why did he dance and leap in front of the Oren in such a way, which could have been seen as a bizoyan for him, the Melech? Why did he do it? Because when the Oren came back from the Plishtim, people looked inside the Oren to see what it looks like inside. This was considered a bezoyan of the Oren, and there was a terrible punishment. The Chsiv, the Pasuk states, And the full Pasuk is, Hashem smote, he hit the people of Beishemesh, Kiro Ba'oren Hashem. They looked into the Oren. This was a bazillion of the Oren. Vayachbaam Shivimish. Hashem killed 70 people. Chamishim Elef Ish. And 50,000 people. Vayisabloam. The nation mourned. Kihiko Hashem Boam Makagdo. Because Hashem had hit Klal Yisrael with a big Mako. So now we have a Machlokis in the Gemara. Rabchanin Rabmana. Chad Amr one says Vayachbam Shivimish Zusanhedrin, the seventy people, the seventy worthy people was the Sanhedrin. The Chamishim Aleph. What does it mean? Fifty thousand. Hashem didn't kill fifty thousand of the people, but rather Shoyeshkul and Kenegat Chamishim Aleph. These seventy were equivalent to another fifty thousand of the nation, but Hashem, according to this man, the Amr did not kill fifty thousand. The Chad Amar and one says one of either of Chanina or of Mana. We don't know which one said what. The Chad Amar Vayach Ba'am Shivimish. Hashem killed the seventy members of the Sanhedrin. Zu Sanhedrin. This is the Sanhedrin. The Chamish Melaf Me'amorets. He also killed fifty thousand from the um from the nation. So that we have this machloik is whether Hashem actually killed 
50,000, or he just killed the 70 members of the Sanhedrin. Continues the Gemara to show the greatness of David's Avodas HaKodesh, what David did to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Siv, the Pasuk says, in Tehillim, Shir HaMalas David, Hashem Loigova Libi, my heart did not become full of gaiva, of haughtiness. When did this refer to? When Shmuel anointed me as the next Melech, as the Korbanate says, even though it was a hidden thing, a secret thing, but I could feel very great that I was chosen to be the next Melech in my heart. But even when it was Beseser in my heart, I was loy gava libi. The loy ramo enai, my eyes did not go up. I didn't lift them up in a state of gaiva, haughtiness. Bishaw sharaktis kolyas. Even though the Garbanadi says, after Hayadavim Refursim, that was a famous thing, which everyone saw that I killed Goliath. And yet, whether it was Beseser or whether it was Begoli, whether it was in secret or whether it was in front of the whole nation, I never had any gaiva enter my heart. I didn't go in grandeur when I brought up the Oren. In fact, I did the opposite. Says the Korban Eida. I did not go I embarrassed myself when I brought up the Oren. Back to the Gemara. I didn't go in wondrous ways what does that refer to? When they, after the rebellion of Avshalom against his father, I was returned to my Malucha. Says the Korban Eida, opposite of where we are learning now in the Gemara, the Flos Mimeni, Kisha Nasuli Niflois, when wondrous things happened to me, they brought me back to the being king. I didn't go in, in grandeur. Ella, Lishimi Bengera, I was Mochel, I forgave Shimi Bengera, who was part of the rebellion against David, Ulishare Hamordim Avoinam. And the other people who rebelled, I forgave their sin. So that's how I acted. Ella, what did I do? Imloy Shavisi, I can swear, Vidoimamti, and I quieted my inner soul. Kigomololai Imoi. Like a mother who suckles, who nurses her child, with her child at the side of the mother, like my soul was suckling. What does that refer to? Like this baby, he came down from the womb of his mother, and he's not embarrassed to nurse from his mother. So my soul was to me, as the Korbanaida explains, right before the Mishnah, like a child who comes out from his mother's stomach, his uh, spirit is not uh, haughty that he's embarrassed to drink the milk from his mother. So was my nefesh upon me. This refers to just like a child is not embarrassed to drink 
his mother's milk, so too I was not embarrassed to learn Torah from people who were younger than me, and I did not say it's not proper for a king to learn Torah from someone younger. Whoever could teach me Torah, even a young person, I would learn Torah from him. This was the greatness of David HaMelech. Continues the Gemara, Halacha Hei, with the Mishnah, a king can go out for a war, which is not a mitzvah, for example, destroying Amalek or the Shiva Ammim in Eretz Yisrael, but this is a discretionary war. He can go out with the consent of the Sanhedrin of 71. And Lechora, one may ask the question that we find the Gemara in the Bavli Brachas of Gimel Amid Beis, where David HaMelech, when he would give permission for a Melchemes Rishus in order to sustain the Jewish people, that they did not have enough uh, to eat. This was the Melchemes Rishus that David gave permission for. The Gemara there says that other things were necessary as well. For example, it's the Gemara states, three lines from the bottom, Gimlam and Beis, Miyad, Yoyatsim Bachitoifel, they would take advice from Achitoifel, Vinimlochim Sanhedrin, they would consult the Sanhedrin, which is like our Gemara, our mission here, Vishayal and Burm Vatumim, and they would also ask from the Urim Vatumim, which the Kohen Gadol wore on his chest. Now, why were all these consulted? So Rashi says there, in other words, they learned from Achitoifel what strategies of war they should undertake in order to defeat the enemy. And then Rashi comments, Very interesting that Rashi says they took Rishus from the Sanhedrin because they wanted the Sanhedrin to pray to Davin for their success. And finally, Vishoyal and Burm Vitumim, Imyatslihu. They would ask from the Urm Vitumim that the letters should light up and tell them whether they'll be successful or they will not be successful. So from this Gemara in the Bavli, Davkimom and Brachas, we see that besides the Sanhedrin of 71, it was also necessary to consult with the Urm Vitumim to consult with Achitofel. Maybe Achitofel is uh, consulting with him is uh, discretionary, but certainly it seems that they couldn't just go out with the permission of the Sanhedrin. They had to consult with the Urim Batumim. Here, the Mishnah does not state that. Perhaps one can answer that since here we are dealing with Mesech the Sanhedrin, so we are only interested in what role the Sanhedrin plays when a king decides to go out for a Melchemes Rishos, are necessary. However, here we're just discussing the role of Sanhedrin. Continues the Mishnah, and he can break through the fence of somebody else's property. For example, if his property is behind Ruvain's property, so the king does not have to go around Ruvain's property, but rather he can break through the fence of Ruvain with his entourage and go to his field. And no one can protest what the king is doing. 
let's see the carbonate. To go to his vineyard or his field. He doesn't have to go around Ruvain's field. Because of the carom or soda of someone else. How wide can he make this breach? Whatever his entourage requires, that is how wide he can break through the fence that is in front of him to get to his own carom. And then the Mishnah concludes, when they wage a war, and then they take the spoils of war, so the whole nation could plunder, boizuzin means plunder, and bring all the spoils in front of the king. And as the Corbinator says, they divide it up into two halves. And he takes whatever half that he chooses, whatever he likes, he takes first, and he gets a whole half. The other half is distributed to the people who helped uh, launch this war, take care of the, the war efforts. Those are the people who get the other half, but he gets what he wants first. Continues the Gemara. The king goes out for the Sanhedrin. Where do we know this from the Pasuk? Because the Pasuk says... Alpiv Yetsu, Valpiv Yovoyu, and the Pasta continues, Hu Vakol Benesrol Itoi Vakolha Eido. So the king goes out with the Kal Yisrael and with the Eido. Who's the Eido referring to? Sanhedrin. So we see that he goes out with Sanhedrin, and that could be the Pshat that Sanhedrin is giving him permission, and that's how he's going out with the Sanhedrin. Continues the Gemara to explain the Mishnah, and he makes a breach getting to his field or his kerem through somebody else's property. How do we know this? That the people would, David's men would lead the animals through somebody else's field, and if they would say something, so David's men would say, this is the spoils of David, and therefore you cannot protest because a king has the right to be pirates getter. Others learn that this Pasuk is actually telling us the source that the king takes first. That's what the Pasuk means, Zeshlal David. This is the Shlal of David, in other words, which seems to indicate that David had already taken his portion. So this is explaining the part of the Mishnah. The last phrase, like we see in the Pasuk, David already took his half. So there's a machlokas here, exactly what the Pasuk is trying to teach us. Is it that he's pirates gather and nobody can be mocha, or that he takes the spoils first? The Gemara continues discussing a war that David HaMelech had with the Plishtim. And David HaMelech had three Giboyrim who were in his army, and here the Pasuk is referring to the one whose name was Shama ben Agai. And the Pasuk says, Hu im David, he was with David bepastamim in a place called Pastamim, where they had this war with the Plishtim. What does the word Pastamim mean? Rabbi Yechidon Amar, Bechakal Sumkito. Domim is blood, and this field had a red tinge. That's why it was referred to 
as Chakal, the field of Sumkita of red. Rav Shmuel Amar has a different meaning. Shemisham nifsiku damim. And he is stressing the word pas. Pas comes from the word nifsiku. That's when it ended. And as this was the last war with the Plishtim, and no more blood was spilled after this war. And now the Gemara is asking a question which is not written right here. It's, it's written a few lines down. But the Meforshim say that this stira, this discrepancy between a Pasuk and Shmuel and a Pasuk and Divriya Yomim is what the Gemara is trying to resolve here as well. The Pasuk says, Vaplishtim Nesafu, the Plishtim gathered together, and they were gathered for what? Shamla Muhammad to do battle, Vatahi, Chelkas Hasode, Malayas Oirim. And the field was full of barley. And yet the same Pasuk, when it describes this war in Shmuel, that's the Pasuk, the first Pasuk we learned is in Devriya Yamim. But in Shmuel it says it was a field full of adoshim, of lentils. So this is the theory that the Gemara is trying to answer. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yaakov, the Kvar Khanan Omar, Rabbi Yaakov, who came from Kvar Khanan, said, Adoshim Hayu, that really was lentils. Elisha Hayusa, Anvashallah had their kernel was yafe, it was large, it was nice, meaning it was large, like a barley kernel. So it really was a dashim, but it had an attribute which made it like a barley. Amr Ablevi, Ablevi has a different answer to this contradiction. This refers to the plishtim, Elohena plishtim. They came to battle straight, upright, like barley, like barley grows. When they left, defeated in battle, they were pressed down, they were low, like lentils. If we look into Pnei Moshe, in the third wide medium line, in his second shot, or they came straight up, upright to do battle and defeat David. But afterwards, Kisha Nitzach, when they were defeated, when Kisha Nitzach, David, when David defeated them, those who were not killed, the remnant of the army went, they were falling down low, and this describes the difference between the Plishtim when they came to war and when they left the war. This is the answer to the steerer between Adashim and Sa'irim. And now that question that we said before, the stira, the contradiction between Shmuel and Divrei Yaman, which the Gomorrah did not mention, but which we said was the Gomorrah's problem on which we've already had two answers. The problem being why in Divrei Yaman it says it was a field full of barley and in Shmuel it says it was a field full of lentils. Now the Gomorrah is going to ask that question in the Gemara itself, and we are going to have more Tirutzim on this Tira. Because of Echadimer, one Pasuk says, Vatisham Chalkas Hasadim Aleyasoirim. This is the Pasuk in Divrei Hayamim, that is a field full of barley. Because of Aleyasoirim, and the Pasuk in Shmuel says it was full of lentils. So the answer, the first answer we have here is from Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachman. From Shmuel Bar Nachman, Omar, Shana Achas Haisa. It was one year. And there were two fields in the same year, one next to the other. We're going to learn this sugya now with the Pirish of the Pnei Moshe. The Pnei Moshe says that the Plishtim were hiding in these fields. And 
David wanted to burn them, to kill the Plishtim, to have them run away. It was a question of Pekuach Nefesh. Now, on Ahmed Beis, we're going to learn that David had a craving for water from a well in Beis Lechem. The simple shot is he was thirsty and wanted to get some water. However, Chazal understand that he was thirsty for the water of Torah. And he had a suffolk in Halacha. And he wanted to get the clarification from the Sanhedrin that at that time was in Beis Lechem for his suffolk. What was his suffolk? In fact, he had two sveikas, two doubts. So since it's an in of Pekuach Nefesh, I certainly can burn the fields if I pay for them. But Dilma, and here the Carbonate says not to learn the next two words, Pshitale, we'll skip it. Dilma la'avich But maybe, based on the halacha, for example, that we had in the Mishnah, that Amalekh is pirates loyderach, ve'em amach miyadoi, that David Amalekh might have the right as a king to burn down the fields and not have to pay any money. And now the way the Pesach Marisha learns, and if Bezdin will paskin, then no. I do have to pay money, then I don't want to destroy both fields because I have to pay. I'll only destroy one field. Now my question is, which one should I destroy? The Azimahan, again, the Corbinator says, don't begars the next two words, but rather, if I do have to pay money, I'm only going to destroy one field. Which field should I destroy? The field of Adashim or the field of Soirim? So, Azimahan Yavid, the Azimahan Yaniach, which one will I leave and I won't destroy? Shell Adashim, Shell Soirim, the one of the lentils or the one of the barley, as we turn to Daf Tezayin Omid Base. And these now are the causes for David's suffolk. Ela shall adashim ma'echaladim. Adashim, maybe I should not burn down because that's the food of a person. Vishal sarim barley ma'echal behema. That's the food of an animal. Maybe that should be the field that I should burn down. Or no, shall adashim lentils e'nechayevus b'chalo. It's not chayev in chalo. However, vishal sarim barley chayevus b'chalo. You have a mitzvah of chalo. So maybe I should burn down the field of adashim. Another thing that um, barley has over Adoshim is that Adoshim ain't Oimer Bami Mena. Adoshim, you don't bring the Korban Oimer during Pesach. And Soirin, Oimer Bami Mena. There is Oimer that comes from it. So these were the Sveikas that were going through David's mind. A, does he have to pay or not pay? Because he's a king. And B, if he does have to pay, then which field, I'm not going to burn both down, only one, which field should I burn down? And the Gomorrah lists the reasons why you should burn down the Adashim field and the reason why you should burn down the barley field. Continues the Gomorrah of Rabban and Amrin. The Rabbanan give another answer on this theory between Shmuel and Divri Yamim. Not like we learned before, that it was one year and two fields, but rather it was Sada'achas. It was one field. Ushtei Shanim. It was a question from one year to the next. One year they planted barley. The next year in the same field they planted lentils. And he had these fake as whether he has to pay, he doesn't have to pay. 
So the Gemara asks, whatever psak he got from the Sanhedrin for last year, he should have the same psak for this year. Why did he have to ask for both years? The Gemara answers, you cannot learn from one year to the other, as the Korbanade says, even if the Sanhedrin Paskin for the first year, that he has to pay, the second year perhaps the circumstances were different and it was a greater danger. And perhaps in the second year, Sanhedrin would Paskin that he does not have to pay because of the great danger. So you can't learn from one year to the next. The Gemara asks another steerer between Divri Yomim and Shmuel. In this incident, Kosov Echelamer, one Pasuk says, is a Pasuk in Devriya Yamim Vayatsilu Ha, that they saved the field. Kosov Echelamer, and the Pasuk in Shmuel says, Vayatsilaha, that he, David, saved the field. So the Gemara says, Elamalame, this is teaching us. This is the answer to the steerer, Sheikh Zir David did not burn the field. He gave it back to its owner. It was so precious to the owner who got his field back. Like a field that was full of expensive saffron. And the Korban Eida says, He gave it back full. It was in the eyes of the owner. He was so pleased that he got the field back. It was as if he got many fields back from many people. That's why it says, Enochanami was really David who gave it to him back, but it was as if, that many people gave back many fields. It was so precious to him, like a field that he would get back that was full of saffron, which was very expensive. That's how he felt about getting this field back, not destroyed. Continues the Gemara, it's written, David. David had a desire, and he said, who will give me water from the pit, the well in Beis Lachem, where the Plishtim were, and Sanhedrin was there also. They had to break through the Plishtim's camp in order to get to the water. Rabbi Barba Omar, as we mentioned this year before, that he wasn't interested just in drinking, he was interested in drinking the waters of Torah. He needed a psak from the Sanhedrin. Do I have to pay in this case if I burn down the field or not? So three warriors of David broke through the camp of the Plishtim and they got the water which in this case would mean they got the psak from Bezdin, Veloma Shloisha, why were three required? Shein halachim spareres, pachsmi shloisha. A halacha does not become clear unless you have three people discussing the same topic and each one raises his own sveikas and then the Sanhedrin is able to paskin clearly on the Shiloh. So that's why he sent three people. They came back with the psak that you do not have to pay. As we learned in our Mishnah, Melech pirates gather. A Melech can break through a wall and not have to pay. But, the Pasuk says David did not want to drink. And now we're learning that this means a Psak Bezdin. So, what does it mean he didn't want to drink? That people will always say, This is David's halacha. David took advantage of the halacha of Melech pirates gather and he doesn't have to pay. 
and he burnt down the field, he didn't pay. So rather, David did not burn down the field, as we just learned before. He gave it back to his owner. However, although David didn't take advantage of this halacha for himself, but he poured them out to Hashem. What does that mean? Kava he made it as a mesechta for future generations that they should know that legally, by right, a melech does have the power to be pirates getter, not pay, and certainly in times of war where it's kuch nefesh, he could have burnt down the field and not had to pay. And what is that mesechta that David was kaveya? He established in Kal Yisrael, who pirates last night, that he is allowed to make a breach in his neighbor's wall and not have to pay for it. Continues the Gemara with a different shot as far as the water goes here, Barkapora Omar, that this is referring to real water and not to Absak from Sanhedrin. Chag Hoya was Sukkis, the Nisikh Maim Hoya was the time to pour libations on the Mizbeach, the Heterbama Hoya, and they had a right to use private altars and not the altar in the base of Migdash because uh, there was no base of Migdash yet. So David Amelech wanted to do Nisikh Hamayim. So three of his warriors broke through the camp of the Plishtim. According to this Peshat, why did you need to have three Giboirim? So the answer is, one kills the Plishtim standing in the way. One removes these dead people so that they should not contaminate, not be metama the water. And one would take a pitcher and enter it into the well in a state of purity of Tahara. Now, Kosov Echod Oimer, we have one Pasuk, which is the one in Divrei Hayomim, which says, with a nun in the word Vayinasech, he poured them out to Hashem. Kosov Echod Oimer, and the other Pasuk in Shmuel says, Vayasech, that he poured it out. But it doesn't have, in the Shoresh, in the root, it doesn't have the letter Nun. So, Man, the Yomr the one who does not use a Nun, like in Shmuel, Messiah, Rav Barbo, that's a good help to Rav Barbo, who learned the word Vayasech, means Masechta, that he was Kiveya, a ruling which we have in our Mishnah for generations, even though David didn't take advantage of it. Man, the the one who says, with a nun, the Sila Barkapora, that it was concerning the Chag and Nisuch Hamayim. Rab Huna Bishem Rabbi Yaisi gives a different explanation of what David needed to know from Sanhedrin. He needed to know the halachas of how the spoils of war are divided, which is the halach in our Mishnah that uh, he gets the first uh, half. And uh, according to this shot as well, David did not take advantage of this lenient ruling, but he was kevail adiris, that a king can take his half first. Rab Shimon bar Rabbi Oimer, binyan based on Megdash Nesava. He had a desire to know a certain detail in the construction of the base of Megdash. David Amalek laid the foundations for the base of Megdash, which Shalom eventually built in its entirety. So David Amalek had a question about the binyan based on Megdash. And Bezdin, the Sanhedrin, ruled leniently in that question. And this is what David Amalek wanted to know from Sanhedrin. So either about the fields or about Nisachamayim, 
um, about Beis Hamikdash, Hilcheshvuyim, many different interpretations here of what David was discussing with the Sanhedrin. Before we begin the next mission, we should point out a machloikis between the Bavli and the Yerushalmi. On Ahmed Aleph, the Gemara in the Yerushalmi had asked the Stira concerning Michal. The, the Gemara said that Michal was punished, and the Pasuk says in Shmuel Beis, Perik Vav, Pasuk she didn't have a child until the day she died. And the Gemara asked the Stira, we have a Pasuk that uh, David Amelech had six children, and the sixth one was Yisraim, La Egla Ishtoy, and Egla, the Korban Ha'eda told us, is Michal. So, how could you say she didn't have a child until the day she died? We see that she had a son called Yisraim. And Yushalmi answered that not including the day that she died. In other words, that Yisraim was born on the day that Michal died. So, during her lifetime, she didn't have a child. On the day when Yisram was born, she died in childbirth. So it's no steerer that she had a child, but she didn't have the child in her lifetime because she died on the, during childbirth. However, the Bavli in Sanhedrin, Daf, Chof Aleph, Ramad Aleph, the Bavli gives a different test because the Bavli doesn't like the Yerushalmi because this, the sixth child of David, Yisraim, that was born to Michal, was born in Hebron. And the story of Michal criticizing David unjustly and receiving this terrible punishment was in Yerushalayim. So we can't answer the way the Yerushalmi answers. Rather, the Bavli says, she had Yisraim in Hebron. But once she criticized David until the day she died, and Adva Ad including the day she died, she did not have any more a child. This is how the Bavli answers the stira between the birth of Yisraim and the Pasuk, which says that she didn't have any children. Begins the next Mishnah, Halacha Vav, Loyar Nashim. A king, a Melchi Yisrael, should not have a lot of wives. As we'll see, he should not have more than 18 wives. El Esrei, he can only have 18 wives. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda disagrees, and he says, Mar he could have many wives. As long as these women will not be prutzois, will not be women who are not reserved, and who will remove him from the proper derech. Even one wife that will take away his heart from proper service in Hashem, he should not marry her. The Pasuk seems to be saying that having many wives will cause that he will go away from Hashem. But according to Reb Shimon, he should not even marry one wife who will take him away from Hashem. And the Mishnah answers that Philip Avigail, even if this 19th woman, more than 18, is a tzedek, is like Avigail, 
he still should not marry her, even if all his wives are proper and sitconious. But if he marries more than 18, he marries a 19th who could even be so much of a tzedekus like Avigail was, the fact that he has many wives, that will cause him to go away from the proper derech. Now let us look in the Corbinator. The Corbinator says there's a three-way machloikis here. And let's see how the Corbinator explains each of the Mandiyam and the Tanakama, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Says the Corbinator, the second Corbinator in the Mishnah, at the bottom left column, he could have more than 18. Says the Corbinator, there are three arguments in this Indian. The Tanakhama says he can only have 18, but those 18 could be Prutzois, but he shouldn't take a 19th. That's the Isra of because then certainly they will take him away from the proper derech. Now here the carbonator says a chiddush, that more than 18, according to the Tanakhama, not only shouldn't he take prutzois, but even tzitkanius, even kshayrus, he should not take. As we explained in the Mishnah, by taking more than 18, by taking a 19th, that itself will cause that they will take him away from the right derech. So this is the shita of the Tanakhama, up till 18, he can even take prutzois. More than 18, he's not allowed to take even kshayrois. Rabbi Yehuda, noise yudches, vafila prutzois. Rabbi Yehuda agrees with the Tanakhama that he can take 18, and those 18 could even be prutzois. The yoysum yudches, and more than 18, prutzois lo yisa. He's not allowed to marry prutzois. Bakshayrois, vahagunais, yisik kumashu yirtza. But proper wives, he's allowed to take even more than 18. So the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda is up to 18, he can take prutzois. More than 18, he is not allowed to take prutzois, but he could take kesheris. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon's opinion is, Rabbi he's not allowed to marry even one prutzois. And proper women, he's not allowed to marry more than 18. So this is how the Corbinate explains the three-way machloikis. Tanakama holds he can marry Prutzis up to Yudches, and more than Yudches, he cannot even marry Ksheris. Rabbi Yudha holds up to Yudches, he can marry Prutzois. More than 18, he cannot marry Prutzis, but he could marry Ksheris. Rabbi Shimon holds that a Prutzi cannot even marry one, and Ksheris he can marry up till 18. Continues the Mishnah. He should not take a lot of horses, only as much as he needs for his chariots. In other words, he cannot have a stable full of horses just that he should feel the grandeur of being a melech, explains the Corbinator. He can only take enough horses that he needs for his chariots to wage war. He's not allowed to have a lot of gold and silver. Ella kidei sheyitin afsanya or samargorisir aspanya, which means, as the Corbinator explains, the wages for his hired soldiers who go into battle with him, 
those wages, he can have a lot of gold and silver to pay the wages, but he cannot have a lot of gold and silver to amass his own personal treasure. The Kaisivlai Sefer Torah, and he writes for himself a Sefer Torah. Carbonate explains that, of course, he has to write a Sefer Torah like every Jew, the last mitzvah of the Taryag, to write a Sefer Torah. And that he keeps in his vault. But he has to also write a, a Sefer Torah, Lishmoi, for his own sake. And that Sefer Torah is not in his vault, but wherever he goes, it goes with him. If he goes out to battle, the Huimoi, the Sefer Torah, is with him. And now we turn to Daf Yud Zayin If he comes in to his palace, it's with him. He's sitting in judgment. The Sefer Torah is with him. Mesiv, as the Corbinator explains, Alashulchan, he's eating, Bider Chasaba, reclining as they used to eat in those days, Vuhukinegdoi, the Sefer Torah is facing him, Shenemar, Vahoy Saimoi, the Sefer Torah should be with him, Vikoraboy Koyimechayev, and all the days of his life, whatever he's doing, he should read in the Sefer Torah, it should be with him. Others, Bider Chasaba, say the Pshat in the Pasuk is, Vahoy Saimoi, the Sefer Torah should be with him, the Korabai Koimechayev. He should read in the Sefer Torah all his life, meaning if he wants to know what Derek to go in his entire life, he should look into the Sefer Torah, read the Sefer Torah. The Korabai Koimechayev. He'll be able to see in the Sefer Torah his entire life, how he should be knowing, how he should direct his life. In the Mishnayis, we start now Mishnah Hay, but in the Yushami here, it's all part of Halacha Vav. Says the Mishnah, Ein Reich van the Am Yisrael is not allowed no one to ride on his horse. Ve'ein Yosh Nalkisay, nobody can sit on his throne. Ve'ein Mishtam Shemisharbita, nobody can use his scepter. The, the Korbanator brings here the Pasuk and Esther, Perik Dalit Pasuk Yud Aleph, where Achashverus used to use a golden scepter. That's what the word Sharbito means. You're not allowed to use the Sharbit of the king. You cannot see the king naked. Not when he takes a haircut. It's not in the bathhouse. The Pasuk says, You should place upon yourself a king. And Chazal understand that that means how do you place the king over you? That the fear of the king should be on you. And therefore, you cannot look at the king in any way that would lower your fear, your respect for the king in any of these ways, Arum or the base Hamerchatz, because it would be lacking in Soim Tosim Alecha Melech.